Hello and welcome to the Back to Basics podcast. This is a podcast where I, Jason Seitz, a firefighter paramedic RN, and my brother, Christopher Seitz, an ER physician, talk about complicated medical topics and we break them back down to the basics to make them easily digestible for you. Mainly for us. Yeah, and then we just produce that and then you might glean something from it. <laughs> right. Or laugh at our idiocy. Right. One of the two. Um, couple announcements. If you want to CE for this and you are an EMS provider, go to guardiancme.com. Uh, if you know the marketing guys at Dr. Pepper, specifically Diet Dr. Pepper, please put us in touch with them because we'd <laughs> like them to sponsor. Um, if you are a nurse or you know nurses that also need free continuing education, uh, have them check out guardiancme.com very soon. We will be releasing nursing credits uh, that will be absolutely free uh, for all nurses Coming up very soon here. We should have our accreditation within a couple of weeks. So that's very exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, you can also tune into our other channel, the Collaborative Practice Podcast, to check out interviews that Chris and I, or just Chris, has with uh, up-and-comers in the technology medical space, in the business medical space. Um, and it's all about like collaboration in medicine and how we can come together and advance medicine and advance uh, patient care, access yeah. to patient care. So absolutely, you can check out those episodes. So today's topic uh, is titled Breaking Bad Badly, and we are going to be talking about meth, amphetamine, and other non-opiate illicit drugs. Specifically uppers, because mainly to cover downers and every med ever is going to take forever. Right. <laughs> so so um, I kind of honed in on more like amphetamines and other stimulants in this one that are non-opioid, because opioids get all the attention, right? <laughs> like because of the opioid epidemic, um, that's a big attention grabbing thing that we pay attention to. It is the number one cause of like illicit drug death right now, but there are lots of areas in this country and in others where it's not the number one cause of death and really meth is. So like, if you look at like the California, like Valley area and stuff like that, um, anything basically on the border of Mexico, meth is huge. Not even, I mean like even in Michigan. So like, like I did travel medicine as an ER doctor for a long time and like, amazes me is gonna sound weird but it amazes me how little methamphetamine comes up in my daily life and how much it came up in my professional life like they're like especially in like opiates are kind of expensive mm -hmm. so like typically like opiates and stuff like that like you'll find in more i mean this is a blanket statement but like in more like well-to-do areas people who can afford to go to the doctor and get it prescribed first and then later on you know they they if move. that's the route they get to yeah it. yeah but it typically is right i mean that's where the opiate pandemic came from was physicians over prescribing like but when we go to like when i, when I worked in like rural areas or less well-to-do social economic like methamphetamine is actually like a big problem well, and cocaine, crack cocaine right specifically you know i mean it's not necessarily the refined white powder stuff that you're going to see in fancy new york you know areas but yeah, like crack cocaine is is cheap and fairly easy to make. Right. Based on doing the research that I did last night for this episode, I could make meth. I, oh. It was like I looked it up on Google and Maybe like we'll do like everything that you should pick up at your basically your local drugstore. And the article is about like how bad it is. It's like I don't know. Maybe not give us the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> so Maybe we can do a YouTube um, video on making like, meth and how, what can go wrong with that science uh, science experiment. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we're going to kind of define and describe the differences between the effects of dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin in the body. Seems like um, a lot. Because those are the chemicals that these meds are going to manipulate, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to distinguish between the signs and symptoms of stimulants and depressants. And then we're going to identify treatment paths uh, for patients suffering from stimulant overdose or misuse. I'm just going to call it misuse because like 
I, I get really annoyed by the definition of like OD. Like people are like, you can't OD on marijuana. You can't OD on like yeah, misuse so is a good term. I mean, misuse is the best way to put it because the thing is, is like if it doesn't have a recommendation, like an FDA recommendation to use, any bit of it would technically be kind of. Uh, I mean, you could anything. It's the whole thing, like everything in moderation, but like any medication, right. you can misuse Tylenol. And not you can, overdose on it in the sense that you'd think like no one's going to be like passed out in an alley. But you can Tylenol. overdose you can on Tylenol. You die from Tylenol. Right, yeah. you know, so what are, what are we defining overdose as? Like a death caused by it? Like you're in a, or, right, or right. a shock or a, you know what I mean? Like a little bit of cocaine is an overdose of cocaine in my opinion because it is. A misuse. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a misuse, right? So um, cool. So. First thing that I want to touch on, we always try to touch on this first, is just like scene safety if you're an EMS provider and you're out there, uh, or even if you're like a you're a clinician in a hospital setting, um, scene safety based off of just like the effects, the aggressiveness that that these patients can have sometimes. So um, if you're a if you're in the field, I almost said if you're a field operative, never use that phrase and you are and you're listening to this podcast that's pretty awesome and send us a question call we'll talk to you on the cpp (laughs) um but if you're in the field um the biggest danger when it comes to the creation of this stuff is that like meth labs are very toxic and dangerous right and we'll talk about it a little bit more when we talk about amphetamines specifically but basically those places can blow up pretty easy Mm -hmm. we'll talk about why um, but be on the lookout in your, when you're discussing with your patient and when you're in your patient's environment and you're ready to take them to the hospital for things that would clue you in to an upper addiction or a cocaine use or amphetamines or MDMA or anything like that. Right. If you're at like a techno concert, you might think that's why they're acting a little bit loopy. Maybe it's like MDMA. Mm-hmm. If you're in... Literally a crack house. We're blanket statements about like certain concerts and what. No, I'm just the, saying. Com- use common yeah, no, sense. I know, I know. If you're at like a right. electronic. What am I? What's the word I'm trying electronic to think? Music of? festival Techno would not be the word. EDM. 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 Thank you, Jamie. EDM concert. Then there's a lot of MDMA use there. Like Molly's very popular at those. Yeah. Um. So just let your environment clue you in onto your patient's condition. It might not be hyperglycemia that they're acting loopy. It might be that they took MDMA. Mm-hmm. So, um. Cool. Be safe. Let law enforcement handle that kind of stuff too. Uppers in general, let's talk about stimulants and psychostimulants and what they manipulate. So there are three chemicals that they manipulate. Why don't you tell me what they are? Dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin. And the reality is that like kind of all medications affect those three things. Not all medications. You shouldn't say that. Not all medications, but I mean all like all drugs that are like misused have to do something with all those things. Yeah. Like, 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 and I was, I will say like, maybe not all, a lot of the medications out there have to do with regulating serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine, whether to bring them up, whether to bring them down, anything regulating mood altering is going to involve those three. Right. Chemicals. Antipsychotics, right? Like antidepressants, these illicit types of drugs. I mean, they, they all manipulate. Depressants and stimulants will both play on both sides of this. Right. So exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about what they are. Dopamine. Dopamine is basically your reward center drug. So whenever you do something good and you feel good about it, that's a dump of dopamine in your brain. That's where Chris, please don't say it. Just 
you're, I know you're ramping up to the whole like social media. You get dopamine dumps when you, and it's then true. you make a joke about like it's not a joke. It's true. Fans or something. No, it's true. Okay. I believe it. Yeah, but like they, they, they actually have measured. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> now they've actually looked at the research of like alcoholics who, like the the dopamine dump they get from like like having their first drink is similar to the dopamine dump that a, like a teenager gets by getting likes on Facebook, which mm-hmm. is why a lot of like it's addictive. Yeah, it's yeah. addictive. So it'd be, you get addicted to that dopamine dump. That's why you keep swiping, keep liking, and literally like the tech companies like know that and play to that a little bit. Exactly. So. Well, that's what, especially like, uh, like gambling, um, like slot machine games and stuff like that are very much designed to like yeah. chemically so manipulate you. Pull that lever, you dopamine yeah. dump. Same with like, like, like sugar can be this way. Like people can feel like people can get dopamine dump for sugars. So that's why they like eat too much sugar. Awards it's on. also why like McDonald's put like, like if you look at like the way McDonald's developed their like hamburgers and stuff, like the bread, like they put like certain levels of sugar and stuff in there to like cause dopamine dumps happy like literally a happy meal yeah but like but for real it's it's, yeah Yeah. i mean so yeah so and there's nothing wrong with dopamine it's not a bad thing too much of anything is a bad thing too little of anything is a bad thing so um but this is your your reward center basically dopamine effects if there's a lot of it you'll have effects that are your you'll feel euphoric you'll feel energized you'll feel horny you'll have trouble sleeping because you're so energized um and then you'll have poor impulse control because of the the pleasure and you'll also be more aggressive could be more aggressive Mm. based on that so your inhibitions kind of go away right because you're you're seeking so this happens i mean you get dopamine dumps when you exercise there's nothing wrong with that there's such things as a runner's high right yeah when you have too much of that you're going to start seeing those effects and your body needs ways to balance those effects so that you're not that way all the time right um norepinephrine specifically increases you think think of epinephrine uh it increases heart rate and blood pressure mm-hmm. right so it's more of a fight or flight response so because these drugs also affect that side of things it's not just mood altering and it doesn't just get you a high it can also put you in an area that's very dangerous for you know brain hemorrhage or cardiac conditions because your heart rate's spiking yeah. and your blood pressure spiking i mean like people who like misuse an overdose on cocaine can have heart attacks from it right like you can have hypertensive emergencies with people who are on too much methamphetamine and things like that so yeah right um and then serotonin affects your mood your appetite your sleep other things too sexual arousal um it usually gives you an elevated mood mood serotonin would so things that play up more on serotonin you know that's a blanket statement i don't want to necessarily say it but there are there are uppers that essentially are both stimulants and hallucinogens Mm -hmm. and those can get a little bit dangerous and play a little bit more of a role with serotonin but um serotonin is going to be more of your mood stabilizer so makes you feel good not just energized but you feel good Mm -hmm. cool so then the other thing i want you guys to understand is basically antagonists and reuptake inhibitors okay so when a chemical is dumped into our brain like for instance dopamine we have reuptake mechanisms that basically use that dopamine and pull it out of that that area where it's be, where it's binding to things and eventually reuptake will pull that dopamine and store it away where it's not being used or the effects aren't taking place well right? think about it too like at the end of a neuron right so dopamine that these are these are like hormones in their own way but they're released from neurons so like the neuron releases dopamine dumps dopamine into that synaptic cleft between it and the next neuron that like or the next you know 
whatever, whether it's a neuron or muscle tissue, whatever it might be, something has to grab all that dopamine and get it out of there so that you can have a reabsorb it. Reabsorb so it, right, yeah. So you can have, so like these stimulants will dump dopamine, will cause these neurons to fire and, and like unleash dopamine. And then when dopamine is out there, dopamine is now binding to dopamine receptors to get the effect on the body. Right. So two ways to attack that to prevent dopamine from being right. out there. I can either block those receptors so dopamine's just floating around doing nothing. And that would be an antagonist, be right? An antagonist. A dopamine or norepinephrine or serotonin antagonist would be something that blocks that dopamine, serotonin, or norepinephrine from binding to whatever its source is, right? Or I can increase the reuptake, which would allow the reuptake to happen more often and then stores it and then they, they can't bind. Right. If I want to keep dopamine out there, and in the case of stimulants, I do, and don't think necessarily stimulants are always bad because we use stimulants all the time to treat ADHD and things like that. So if you have a, a stimulant in general, you're trying to get more dopamine in that cleft because maybe maybe Chris's body reuptakes dopamine too soon and now he's depressed all the time, mm. right? So we want to keep dopamine out there so that he can battle his depression. I'll use something called like a reuptake inhibitor, which will prevent the reuptake of that dopamine and leave it in there. Or you could increase dopamine by... Right. We so we're not going to do that, but, but you won't. could increase the production of dopamine and the binding. Yeah, and I don't think you want to get into like necessarily the mechanism of action of every single one of these. Correct. So... Basically, what we're trying to say is that like some stimulants either cause you to dump dopamine or to not reabsorb it, same with serotonin. So there's different mechanisms by like of keeping these chemicals out there so that they can have their effect. Most of the illicit drugs that we're going to be talking about today are very potent reuptake inhibitors. So they prevent the reuptake of dopamine. So it the dopamine is binding and in your system longer. Right. And interestingly, a lot of the medications we use as anti-anxiolytics or antidepressants like serotonin are, are like SSRIs, serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So like even like medications like Celexa or Venlafaxine, like these medications are meant to have the same effect, like keep keep dopamine and serotonin, these different things out into the synaptic class so they can have their effect. And that's much safer when you're dealing with serotonin because serotonin doesn't have effects of euphoria. It's not as highly addictive. So mm. giving you Celexa for depression is a lot safer yeah. than what we used to do, which would be like basically give like cocaine. Because the, we, like the, there, there is really not a dopamine reuptake inhibitor that we prescribe because dopamine, so again, has addictive. that addictive yeah. effect of those dopamine dumps and stuff. So yeah. So that's how, and we'll get into kind of the history of like cocaine and amphetamines and stuff like that, but that's how it was created. It was created and designed to, okay, we can keep our energy up, but it also helps fight depression and stuff like that because that reward center, why am I so hooked on it though? Well, because dopamine is a very addictive chemical because right. it's the reward center. Cool. So dopamine antagonists, examples of dopamine antagonists would be things that we would treat like antipsychotics with, right? So, um, or we would treat, treat with we would treat. I almost said psychotics. That means like, like negative connotation. Yeah, I mean, people, that, people with psych conditions, right, yeah. you know, people that are psychotic, we would use antipsychotics on and they would be uh, dopamine antagonists, which basically prevent that dopamine from being out there so that there's not these, you know, strange mood swings and this aggressiveness and things like that. Hallucinations. Right? When we like calm somebody down or we, we, we snow somebody, a lot of times we're using dopamine antagonists in order to sedate them mm -hmm. um, because we're stopping dopamine from being in there and making it reuptake more um cool so let's talk about cocaine it's great no like, no wait no. <laughs> so cocaine is actually very interesting because cocaine obviously comes from the 
leaf, right? The coca plant. Coca plant. Discovered in the Andes. Is it the Andes Mountains? Yeah. In South so. America? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was chewed by, like, the local. Well, it still is. is. Yeah. It still is in South America. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, yeah, like, like the way we use caffeine in America, right? Like, people have multiple cups of coffee today. A lot of the natives and tribes of, in, like, the Andes and, like, South America, like, will just chew, chew on cocoa leaves throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, they're, like, cl- up climbing up and down a mountain to do their farming and stuff. Like, it keeps them energized, keeps them up. It really, like, the way they use it by chewing it naturally like that is just, is exactly the same way we use caffeine. Yeah, it's it's like mild, having multiple cups of coffee. It's a mild effect, right? Yeah. Then what happened was people were like, cool, let's create let's do like more a synthetic of it. version of this and, like, distill it down and then add it and then snort it out of the pot. And I always imagine <laughs> that, like, it was, like... Some guy who is like essentially trying to create his own version of pre-workout. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he just yeah. and he just went a little too far. Sure. You know? Or the pre-workout worked so well. I mean, like, like in a similar fashion, like there are men who abuse pre-workout because it's got like yeah. lots of caffeine and lots of other things in there that again have a same it's a stimulant effect, right? So pre-workout kind of sca- the the pre-workout that has and I, I'm, I'm not looking for feedback on this, people, okay? I'm not anti-pre-workout. Right. I'm just saying that I personally don't like taking pre-workout that has, has any, like, thermal regulation changes because the idea of, like, heating your body up right. just scares me. Like I don't know. It just bothers stuff. me. So it's actually funny. There, and I forget what – I think it's the alanine or something that's in it. I mean, alanine's not even a thing. But anyway, there's, a, there's something in it that, like, almost, like, gives you, like, a tingly sensation. So, like, I've taken pre-workout and I get, like, I'll get a good, like, I'll get a good workout in. Like, I can push a little bit more. I can, like, get an extra set in. But, like, my face will tingle. And, like, that's, like, a normal side of it. I don't like it, though. I just don't... Right. Well, what happened a lot of times at the firehouse is that, like, people would be like, all right, like, we're we're working out today. So, like, I'm going to take my pre-workout and, like, let it sit for a half hour. Well, then we get a run. Oh, so they're just, like, hyped up on it. So they're just on the run. They're like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like it's like they're like right. hot, their skin's hot right their workout's ruined because it's gonna yeah, wear off yeah. by the time they're back so like i just kind of stayed away from it because it freaked yeah. me out a little bit but anyway we're not saying that pre-workout is like cocaine but we are in the sense that like the uh, stimulants are stimulants, stimulants right are like we can right. judge certain ones if we want to but they're they're all the same so if you take a coca plant and you uh basically add some synthetic processes to it and it's not synthetic it's it's a natural process where you basically like boil it down the right way in layman's terms, you can create cocaine. And there's, like, lots of ways to make cocaine. There's, like, the refined rich people powder that would be, like, snorted. Mm-hmm. That would be, like, more pure white, like, cleaner cocaine. And then there's, like, crack cocaine, which would be basically, like, crystals um, that are, like, glassy crystals that can be anywhere from, like, white to brown, you know, depending on how well they were they were created. You know, Breaking Bad is all about, like... That's meth, having though. the perfect crystal meth because yeah, it's yeah. such a clean, you know what I mean? Right, right. We'll talk about it. But it's a similar process yeah, in yeah. the sense that, that it's rock versus yeah. um, powder. And then what, what users will do is they'll boil that down, like that's where you see like the spoon, right? They'll like boil that down and then they'll either inject it or I mean, you could drink it, but it doesn't have a very good... Yeah. You could, there's a lot of different ways to do cocaine, but yeah. injection is typically, if you're using crack, injection is going to be mm-hmm. the most... Uh, most used. Yep. So free-based crystal versus pure white powder. Cocaine has a half-life of about 60 minutes. That doesn't mean you'll have a 60-minute high. You can have longer than that, but it's half-life, meaning the time it takes for half of it to be like uh, consumed in the body is about 60 minutes. Where meth amphetamines and any amphetamines really differ from cocaine is that the half-life's like 10 hours. Oh, wow. So amphetamines, working in that re-up with that reuptake system, they inhibit that reuptake for way longer so you have a way longer high 
but also you have all of the negative effects too for a longer period of time. Your blood pressure, your heart rate, all of that is way higher so that you're more likely to produce, you know, long-term negative effects and you're kind of in more danger for a longer period of time Mm -hmm. because of it. So you could say that cocaine, that meth is kind of like cocaine on cocaine. Mm. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So history of cocaine, coca plants. History of amphetamines, a little different. Benzedrine was created in like the 1920s and 30s as an over-the-counter nasal decongestant. Because you have to think that the same effects that constrict vessels, right? Increased blood pressure, constrict vessels. I've worked in ERs where we we still have like cocaine to treat nosebleeds. True. That's true. Do you want to maybe tell me what those ERs are. No, no, I don't. No, <laughs> I won't publicly say in a podcast. No, like I, I have seen like where like they like, I don't think they even make it that way anymore, but like some of these old hospitals like still have some. What? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, you dead, something no, I'm dead right serious. I'm dead serious. I don't think that's allowed. I mean, it, it, it is still, you can, you can't prescribe it. I would say, but you can't like it. Like, yeah, no, that's how they used to use it. Same with like, same yeah, why wouldn't they have gotten rid of an old man that's not legal to use anymore? I don't know. I'm not the hospital administration. I don't think I would have admitted that that's the truth. <laughs> Why? It, it was a medication for a long time. Until even like recently. Just taking some notes here. Until <laughs> recently? Yeah. No. Yeah. Benzedrine has not been used in a very not long benzedrine. time. benzedrine. What happened with benzedrine, which is an over... If you let me just tell the story. Go ahead. It's an over-the-counter nasal g- decongestant um, used in like the 1920s and 30s. And then what would happen is it had an addictive effect because it would have basically... Just like if you take Sudafed now, it perks you up, right? It's a it's a sinus medication, but it'll perk you up um, because it has those effects. People would use it in World War II to avoid fatigue during battle. So they basically, the government was like, hey, use Benzedrine to stay awake and shoot straighter and be more alert. And then what happened was lots of soldiers would get hooked on it because it had highly addictive effects, and then you you dealt with, like, benzodrines. Fun fact, I'm reading right now the L.A. Quartet by James Elroy, which is, like, what the game L.A. Noir is based off and stuff like that. It's, like, that, like, pulp detective in L.A., you know, doing stuff like, like the hat, and he's corrupt, and that, that, that kind of story was based out of that. All the old, like, noir movies, like uh, Chinatown and, uh, like, Maltese Falcon is kind of based off of that time. Mm-hmm. In those books, lots of the cops and bad guys are hooked on Benzedrine because that was post-war. Oh, okay, they're, okay. They're hooked on Benzedrine. So they're basically taking a form of meth or coke, and then they're all amped up, and then they're, like, beating people up on the streets more. As of 2020, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has approved two cocaine hydrochloride products for medical use. Yeah, but it's not like cocaine. It's like a I'm not version saying it's like, it's distilled from the coca plant. But it's, it's still not like cocaine. That. That's cocaine. All right, fine. I'm not saying that like I'm like, hey, snort this in the middle of the ER. But like, here's a nasal spray that happens to be cocaine hydrochloric. Yeah, that happens. Let me know next time that you're in that area, and I will stop by yeah, visit and sweet. have some nasal <laughs> decongestion that I need. <laughs> so, uh. um, half life is way longer. There's lots of different types of amphetamines. There's meth, uh, usually created from nasal decongestants like Sudafed. Uh, There's Adderall, which is used for ADHD. Uh, Concerta, which is ADHD. Ritalin, which you might have heard of from ADD, ADHD, and narcolepsy, which makes sense. Like, how do we treat narcolepsy? A version of cocaine to wake you up, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then Dexedrine treats narcolepsy too. So all of these things can be highly addictive if... I mean, like, like properly, but like Sudafed, like you're not going to get hooked on Sudafed if you use Sudafed and then you... 
use the process to introduce and but turn it into meth, that's going to be a lot more addictive. It's going to be more addictive, but it's yeah. not going to not be addictive. Cause like, this is the problem. This is why they put, I mean, they put Sudafed behind the counter and you got to show your ID now because people were buying like tons of pseudoephedrine and then making of the show amphetamine. <laughs> right. Making, no, this is before that. Right. But like even Adderall, Adderall, like it's a very effective medication for ADHD and that sort of thing. Um, it is also very much abused. I mean, like, like I remember, college like people who yeah. did not need adderall would people get adderall floor, yeah. crush it and snort it because it's pretty much i mean like so like they are it is addictive in its own way you know not as highly addictive right obviously like methamphetamine is extremely more highly highly addictive because of the dopamine effects and things like that but but these are i will say they can be dependent like habit forming medications yeah. right well and just Every, like caffeine. Well, I was going to say, right. everything's relative. Like, like I stayed up late using caffeine to stay awake yeah. to study. There's, it's different, but I'm not, I'm just saying it's not that much of a leap to say there is people on my floor in, in college at Michigan State that would, yeah. you know, like sell Adderall and get Adderall from people that were, had ADHD. They'd like buy it from them and then they'd Surprisingly, and this is not something whatever. I should probably admit, but especially going through pre-med. That was probably heavily used, yeah. I think, in med school. Like yeah. pre-med students were like everybody was using it. That's crazy. We are like, yeah. I mean, except I, you. I didn't. Good. I just drank holy water. <laughs> oh well. <does> that work? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to drink. That. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, you're not supposed to steal holy water <laughs> either. So I don't know. But. Um, and here's the thing: is if they made caffeine illegal, like if Diet Dr Pepper was illegal, I would sell, produce distribute you like moonshine dr pepper and, and i would like, think it was funny mm-hmm. i think that's the problem too is i would think it was funny even if it got a serious like no this is like modern day meth like and i got locked up for it i would like be giggling in jail about the i mean it's I really interesting because like we i think we live in a time like everything is very relative right like there was a time where alcohol was like like the prohibition, well, alcohol right? is a downer 100 percent. right but i'm saying like there was it was illegal at one point right yeah cannabis in michigan was illegal at one point a lot of people went to jail for it and now everybody can get it Mm-hmm. And it even comes in fun gummy flavors, right? I mean, there are a lot of legislation out there to make things like psychedelic mushrooms and stuff legal to use. And micro, I mean, like, like it's all re- from a legal standpoint, it's all relative. But in terms of from a medical side, like what it does to your body, understanding that is the most important part because everything can. Co- I mean, again, like we talked about, even Tylenol. If you you have to understand that in misused or like taken too much of can cause fulminant liver failure i mean like like people die of tylenol overdoses all the time unfortunately like it's horrible but like so again like just understanding the mechanisms of these medications is so important because then you understand when you get beyond the therapeutic effects and into those detrimental sites well i think what's really interesting too is that we're manipulating the chemicals that are already in our body with these cases and i think a lot of people think especially with illicit drug you're introducing a chemical to your body and then that chemical's wreaking havoc or doing these things right no. no all that it does is make more of the dopamine that you have in you last longer in you. you this I mean? is where Which like is weird things like biohacking and stuff like coming to like, like there are other ways to manipulate your like waking up in the morning and doing red light therapy, like causes chemical shifts in these same chemicals in your body. I mean, like they said, there's, there's lots of ways we can manipulate. And that's what really what medicine becomes is manipulating what our body already does, either helping it do it better, you know, helping the things that it's doing that are harming us to not have. I mean, like we've talked about that a lot. Like really the practice of medicine becomes taking the body that is and optimizing it and helping it along type of thing. Well, and so I think the follow-up question a lot of the, with a lot of this is, well, then why is cocaine and amphetamine so bad? And why, 
cocaine and amphetamines are bad and have been made illegal and are dangerous is because it doesn't just give you elevated mood effects. It doesn't just wake you up a little bit like caffeine does. It's super habit forming. Mm -hmm. It increases your blood pressure and your heart rate and can get you to the point where you can have uh, like bust blood vessels and have internal bleeding and stuff like that. It makes you more aggressive. It alters your mood. You know what I mean? So those are dangerous things that you don't want, right? So that's why those are the illegal ones, right? Like we found other things to do the medical things that cocaine did and really didn't really need cocaine medically anymore. Exactly. And then it's just we're using it for fun, which is fine to the until it starts no, to harm. No, I'm, I'm going to go on record and say that Jason Sykes' opinion is it's not fine to use cocaine, no, people. <laughs> Chris it's, can say whatever he wants now. I'm not saying it's fine to use cocaine. I'm saying it's fine to like – like, like let's use cannabis as an example, right? Like a lot of people feel like it's perfectly fine to use cannabis for – recreational uses because it doesn't we found mainly all the time harm people whereas cocaine was starting to like harm a lot of people in ways that like that's why thc no longer you know cannabis no longer is illegal and cocaine remains illegal it all has to do like and i think there's an argument though on the other side of that that alcohol has harmed a lot of people and there's a lot of people that believe that alcohol should be illegal Mm -hmm. and it it should be an illicit medication right we should at least recognize that alcohol is a medication yeah and that it's not just a drink right just something to think about cool so treatment of od and misuse of these uh we would basically hit you with benzos (laughs) so so here's where it's kind of effed up is how do we treat uppers with downers Right, right? right so we would treat you with like we stabilize you as best we can. If your heart rate's going and you're bleeding or if you're, you're aggressive, we need to sedate you for your own safety and for ours, and we would sedate you with benzos. Mm-hmm. Anything and really benzodiazepines are kind of the only thing, other than like keeping people in a safe environment, keeping them out of harm's way, letting the, me- letting the medicine, treating the symptoms too, like lowering their blood pressure because of the risks of you know heart attacks and things like that. The, it really becomes more protecting the body against the bad side effects of these med- or these illicit drugs. And again, benzodiazepines is really the only thing we have that can help, right? Like if you take, like if you get up in the morning, you take a bunch of caffeine because you're sleepy, you stay up too late, but now you're really up. So you take a Valium to kind of calm yourself down, but now you're not really motivated. So you got to do some cocaine to bring it back up. You know what I mean? It's just kind of, yeah, it's up and down. And that's why like dangerous, cocaine and meth too get far more dangerous if you're drinking with them because then you're taking a downer with it, Mm -hmm. right? And you just kind of have to recognize that. One question that I get a lot is how does ADHD... Why is the treatment for something that makes you hyperactive a med that would be an upper that make, t- typically makes you hyperactive? And, and the reason why this works is that it, it increases your focus. Um, so it's an upper. It's a stimulant. It doesn't necessarily make you hyperactive and distracted with that stimulus. It makes you hyper-focused. So people that struggle. It actually calms people down if they truly have. Right. If they have ADHD, they'll be more focused and calmed when they take that type of stimulant versus uh someone who doesn't right right so cool um two other meds that i want to talk about ecstasy mdma mm-hmm. also known as molly mm-hmm. which did you know is an abbreviation for molecular i did not it speaks know. to like the purity of it i didn't know that but molly uh very chemically similar to stimulants but also chemically similar to hallucinogens so this is where we also start to get into hallucinogenic effects which where you get weird, trippy, mm-hmm. you know, things. So plays on dopey, norepi, and serotonin again, but the increased serotonin will trigger arousal, trust, increased trust, better mood, more empathy, and then like emotional closeness, which is why you'll see it in the clubbing scene 
where people are all touchy-feely and they're dancing and they want to have like a psychedelic kind of experience with a hallucinogen and they also want to have the dopamine effect. You don't really get centers. like hallucinations the way we think of hallucinations, but it well, does you like... Do if it's mixed with stuff, which it well, almost true. always is. <laughs> so that's the big scary thing about ecstasy is that like in the club scene, people mix in cocaine, people mix in meth, people mix in mix in mushrooms and uh, psychedelics and stuff. So like it is very hard to get clean MDMA. You have to really trust who you're getting these things from. If Like honestly. Just don't get them. Again, well, no. Jason Seitz is going on the record <laughs> saying don't ever go get these no, things. No, I'm just saying that like. But yeah, that, this is why it has become such a dangerous thing in the club scene and why. Mixing. Yeah, like, like the government is really cracking down on it because there's been very dangerous mixing that like they take them. Like you, you, you have meth with it, and then like the meth kills you on the spot because your heart explodes, mm-hmm. and you thought you were just gonna have a nice little like sexy time, right? What's well, actually interesting too, this is actually I, we, I talked to someone. This was on the opiate side when we were doing some stuff with the hospitals, working at in the opiate crisis side of things. But uh, this was someone who had had been addicted to like heroin and that sort of thing, and had opiate, and then they were in recovery and helping others get to recovery. And he actually said, he goes, it's actually very common. And this is actually, I think common in not like not, I'm speaking to the, this comment was made in like the heroin space, but I think this is kind of like something that occurs where like people who deal in these medications and things like that, like sometimes purposely mix things in poorly so that people have certain percentage die. Yeah. yeah, where they so especially when it comes to like heroin, which is again not a stimulant. We're not talking about that today. But like, like if someone dies from it, then it gets this idea that like, oh, that stuff must be really, really good. Your customers it almost, think it's very potent, which means that yeah, which is very like it's scary stuff. That's, that's yeah. pretty scary. But the most dangerous thing that gets mixed in with MDMA is the next thing that we're going to talk about, and that's bath salts. So bath salts history between that similar to cocaine the cat plant which is found in east africa and southern arabia would be chewed on the leaves would be chewed on for mild stimulant effects um but now they're like bath salts are scary guys like don't these don't these are, are the things where like someone ate someone's face off yeah like that's bath salts right um they're swallowed they're snorted they're smoked or they're injected they're called say i think it's based off the cat plant so i think they're called i don't know cathinones i think or catanones um they can be deadly, like on the first hit, soaking meth, but um, and there's really, really strong withdrawal symptoms from them. So depression, anxiety, everything on the opposite side of the stimulant, right? So you get all the happiness and the you know concentration and all that, and then on the opposite side, depression, anxiety, tremors, paranoia. Um, sometimes you'll have trouble sleeping because they're still you can get stimulant a, effects. You can get a bad out. come down from MDMA too in the same way where like it's like well, they impending say doom that. and like yeah. – and that's where people can harm themselves if it's really bad. You know what I mean? Which you got to be careful. Um, so again, how do we treat these things? We treat by stabilizing the patient and then we use behavioral therapy for their addiction. And if we need to sedate them because they're aggressive, like in bath salts, if they're trying to eat your face off like a zombie, then sedate them with benzos. Mm-hmm. But don't get them hooked on benzos because that's a whole other thing. We'll talk about that in our downers. One thing that I'm not going to talk about, at least this year, I won't say I'll never talk about it. I will not talk about psychedelics because I started to write up a thing on psychedelics. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't sit on either side of the fence of it. Don't really care that much. Not something I'm going to do myself. Doesn't mean I condone it. Doesn't mean I don't condone it. But I don't want to deal with all of the comments that I was already getting just trying to investigate it into like, you have to do psychedelics because it'll change your life with like, if you do psycho, I know someone who did psychedelics and then they killed their mother. Like, it's just like, 
it's all over the place, guys. I don't right. know. Do your own research. Do your own research on mushrooms. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Right. And that maybe that's a conversation we have about hallucinogens at some point. Yeah, psychedelics and hallucinogens. But, but but really, what's interesting too, I think, like like the takeaway here, like these stimulants. Um, obviously, we understand. We, we, hopefully, now you guys understand their effects on norepinephrine, dopamine, serotonin. They all have other aspects to them, right? Some of them have psychedelic hallucinogenic effects. Some of them have like, you know, sedative type. You know, I don't know. There's like, like, so just recognize that like it's, it's a, almost a continuum, especially when it comes like that, that was one thing that I struggled with when I was like in medical school and even as a physician, like trying to sort these out and group them. You really can't group them. Like if you group like hallucinogens separate from stimulants, all of a sudden there's overlap. And if you separate stimulants from, you know, I don't know. Like there's like, uh, there's another whole category there, but like you just have to like, th- there is some overlap. So you need to kind of understand what each medication does, but the resounding treatment plan is again, if they're up, bring them down, right? right. Treat the, treat their actual physical symptoms, their hypertension, their angina, right Their you know, that type of thing, keep them in a safe environment, keep them hydrated. Another thing with stimulants is that you can like run into like increased metabolism and metabolic rate. So you can get kidney dysfunction you, you know what i mean like you well, with, speed up processes you got to be careful there too with so. meth especially they're more into because the half-life is so long and they stay in that hyperactive state for so long their chances of being dehydrated malnourished you know like ha- having those like longer term symptoms for longer like they they get exposed for longer because the cocaine doesn't wear the cocaine wears off right right, right, right. The, the meth doesn't wear off for some time so they haven't eaten they haven't slept they haven't drank anything so they're you know Right, yeah, yeah. Heart fast. So again, so treat the patient, not the medication they took, but understand what these medications do uh, and what these chemicals do so that you know what to look out for too, right? And again, really in terms of like bringing people down, it's really just benzos, right? Honestly, like I feel like fluids and benzos and keep them safe and that's wait for it to go, right? That's kind of what you have to do, so cool. All right, hope you learned something. Check it out at guardiancma.com for a free credit. We will see you next time. Sounds good. Stay sweet. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking a listen. Uh, If you are studying for the National Registry exam, we're here to help. We have a National Registry prep program uh, to help you pass that exam. Check us out at guardiantestprep.com. If you'd like continuing education credits uh, for listening to our podcast or watching this on YouTube, follow us at guardiancme.com. 100% free CAPSI credits. uh, No matter what state or country you're in, uh, we're here to help. So again, we thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful week.